0: Our lives are better because we partner together with God in accomplishing His purposes in our lives and in the world. So today, we are going to look at another one of the reasons that we love our church. And uh, so let's turn our attention to the fifth and the final of God's purposes for His church. And it's it's this. Uh, we have a graphic created. It's the one that's taken out the bottom there it's reaching and what we're going to call it is reaching seekers is the is the final purpose of the five purposes that we're going to look at today and let's remember this because you know this heart was designed on purpose to show a completeness that if we're going to be complete and as a heart what is the heart of our church who are we people who care because we're people who care that's just a nice way of saying we put our love in action In order to do that, we have to have a fullness to our heart. And our heart has to have all these components that we've been looking at these last weeks. And so this is just as important in some ways, maybe more important of a component. Because if we don't have this component, um, eventually there will be no one to do the rest of the stuff with. right If we're not reaching people for Christ, or as we say here, reaching seekers. Now let me ask you a question. I don't know if you've ever thought of it like this before. You know, do you know that God is on a mission? Did you know that? That God literally is on a mission. Do you understand that God has an agenda? He's not sitting on a cloud somewhere with a harp, floating around these weird ideas we have about God and heaven and all this stuff. He has an agenda. He has something he is working on to accomplish. It's his agenda. He has a mission in the world. And every one of you, are you breathing? If you're breathing, you're incorporated into it. Every one of you and everyone else in the entire world is part of the mission of God. The 7.4 billion people on the planet, not just Americans, not just evangelicals, every single person, 7.4 billion people, that's the estimate for for 2016 world population, Everyone in the world is part of God's mission. Now, one of the times in Scripture that Jesus so clearly actually articulates or says or reveals this mission is a day he encountered a man named Zacchaeus. So I want you to grab your Bibles and flip open to Luke chapter 19 with me. Luke 19, we're going to read verses 1 through 10. Luke 19. You there? Luke 19. Fire up those iPhones and scroll to Luke. First, chapter 19, starting in verse 1. He, talking about Jesus here, He entered Jericho and was passing through. Now, file that away. He was, he's passing through Jericho. Verse 2. And there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus, And he was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was, and was unable because of the crowd, for he was small in stature. It's a nice way for saying you're short. (laughs) Verse 4, so he ran on ahead, and climbing up into a sycamore tree in order to see him, for he was about to pass through that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, Hurry and come down, for today I must stay at your house. And he hurried and he came down and received him gladly. And when they, meaning the crowd, when they saw it, they all began to grumble, saying, He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Remember that. Verse 8. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Look at verse 10 there. Verse 10 tells us what mission God is on. This is what Jesus said, talking about Himself, one of His designations of Himself. He calls Himself Son of Man, Son of God. For the Son of Man came for this reason to seek and to save that which was lost. Friends, God is on a mission to save lost sinners. And that's what Zacchaeus is referred to here. We don't like that term that much anymore, but Jesus refers to Him as a sinner that is lost. God's mission is to seek them out and to lead them to forgiveness and freedom by bringing them into a relationship with the Savior, Jesus, the Son of God. And let's remember something. The them that He is speaking, seeking, is every one of us and everyone else of the 7.4 billion people in the world seeking them. It's us and everybody. God is seeking to bring lost people into his kingdom, into his family. And listen to me, friends. The way he accomplishes this mission is by reaching them through each person who has already met him as Savior and Lord. In another time, Jesus, talking to his disciples after his death and resurrection, so after Easter, when he's commissioning them to the world, says this in John 20, 21. He says, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. You know what's happening there? Jesus is incorporating each of his followers into his mission. That's what Jesus Jesus is saying. I have a mission. Seeking to save that which is lost. And then after he dies, he's rose from the dead. He speaks to his followers. And we are an extension of that. And he says, as the Father has sent me, now I'm going to send you to be involved in my mission. Jesus is incorporating his followers into his mission to seek and to save that which is lost. God's plan for reaching your family, God's plan for reaching your friends, God's plan for reaching your community is you and your church. That's why this is a church thing, not just an individual thing. This is the church thing. God's plan for reaching your friends and your family and your community is you and your church. He has incorporated you into his mission. That's why reaching seekers is one of the five primary purposes for the church. We talked about Big C Church and Little C Church a while ago. The church, the church universal, and for our church, for Portview. Now let's think about this. How we talk about this around here. That our goal is reaching seekers. Let's think about this phrase. These two little words. Reaching seekers. Because it includes two important concepts about our joining with Jesus in his mission. How we are incorporated in. The first is this word reaching. Reaching implies something. Reaching implies intentionality. It's something you do on purpose with some degree of effort. If I'm going to reach out and grab you today, Josh, I've done that a couple times in my life. I've reached out and grabbed you. If I'm going to reach out and grab you, it takes some perfect, some purpose and some effort to do that, right? And today I would dare not try that anymore. Now if I ever try to reach out and grab him and he tries to reach me back, I literally say, ah, I break, I break, I'm fragile, leave me alone, don't I? I back up and I'm going, no, 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 no. Last time we wrestled, I ended up with a broken rib. And so uh, we don't wrestle anymore. And so, uh, and it was all in good fun. I was going to prove him I was still stronger than he was. He proved to me that just might not be true. But if I'm going to reach out and grab somebody, it takes some purpose and some effort to do that, right? Well, likewise, joining with Jesus on his mission takes some purpose and some effort on our part. It takes intentionality. And this is exactly what we see in the story with Jesus and Zacchaeus in their encounter. Um, Here we find Jesus. Remember I said remember this word. It says this little phrase. says he was passing through Jericho. We find Jesus passing through Jericho. He was on his way to some other place intending to do something else. He has a different plan. He says I'm going somewhere to do something and I'm just passing through Jericho. One of those things he intended on doing anything there. But he stopped what he was intending to do to, to reach out to Zacchaeus. He not only stopped, but he altered his plans and he spent the day with Zacchaeus at his house to the point that Zacchaeus got it so much that it changed his life. Friends, for that to happen, this little blip that we just look at in, in Zacchaeus here with sort of Jesus and their interaction, what we see is that that took intentionality toward the mission. He cha- Jesus changed his plans to engage in his mission of seeking and saving that which was lost. The mission is always functioning. That's the point. In the heart here, reaching, that mission is always pumping. If we're going to be a healthy, whole Christian and church. The mission is always being accomplished. Or it's supposed to put it this way. It's supposed to always be being accomplished through God's people. The same is true for each of us. We have all kinds of things that we do, right? We work, we play, we go to school, we're kind of busy at times, aren't we? Matter of fact, in our culture, we're over busy. And that's an issue that we should probably think about sometimes. But underlying all of this, always, no matter what we do, is this idea of the fact that we have been incorporated into a mission with God. In all we do, we are always, whether we know it or not, on mission with God, We are supposed to be looking for opportunities to see a Zacchaeus, to, to help someone who is lost come to know Jesus. There is to be an intentionality in all that we do. Always having, I think this is the best way to understand it, always having open ears and open eyes to the activity of the Holy Spirit and the voice of the Holy Spirit so that he can point out to us who a Zacchaeus may be. In our lives, and oftentimes it's somebody who's just simply sitting up in a tree as you're planning to go some other, other place, because you've got something to do. Just walking with eyes open and ears open. And friends, this leads us to the second concept from this phrase, reaching seekers. We're reaching intentionality, but we're reaching something in particular. We're reaching seekers. Our role in this mission with God is to be looking with intentionality for someone in particular to join God in a mission, the mission could seem seven point four billion that 's impossible. it is impossible, but god didn 't call you to reach seven point four billion he calls, he calls us to just join in His mission and to walk with intentionality, looking for someone in particular people who he would define we would define as seekers and This is what I mean by that because that word's got a lot of bad rap over the last number of years. Church people get all freaked out about using the word seekers. I'm telling you, it's one of the best words a church could ever use because it's simply saying, look for those people who are open to the activity of God. You know what changed my ability to reach lost people for Jesus? When I stopped trying to convince people who hated God that they ought to come and serve God because they had an agenda already and I'm just going to keep loving them and hope that they increase. But when I started just trying to understand my job is just to have my eyes open and look for a Zacchaeus. Look for a seeker, someone, I'm probably going to be passing him by, but someone who's showing that they're open to the activity of God. That's exactly what Jesus does with Zacchaeus. Jesus was surrounded by a crowd, it says, and he's planning on going somewhere else. But yet he stops in the middle and he he sees a guy up in a tree. Now understand, there were probably all kinds of people up in trees. But he stops and he sees Zacchaeus up in a tree. Why? Because he's walking with, a, with an idea of mission, a heart open to the voice of the Spirit, ears open to the voice of the Spirit, and he's looking for what? In everything he does, he's looking for seekers. And he sees Zacchaeus in a tree, and because of the inside of the Spirit, he understands that guy's a seeker. Now, it didn't hurt that he's also up in a tree. There were some natural signals that he was a seeker. That he did, he went to great lengths, you know, he's a, he's a successful businessman, and he's climbing a tree to see a prophet walking by in a crowd that's just moving through. It shows something about him, that he climbed this tree to see Jesus. And the Spirit then could point out to Jesus, the guy in the tree, and say, hmm, he's spending some energy looking at the things of God. He just might be open to the message of the God. Friends, we are simply looking for seekers, Those who are open to the activity of the Holy Spirit above God in their lives. When someone is, just how it usually works, when somebody starts talking about spiritual matters, oftentimes that means they're a seeker. When somebody starts sharing with you about struggles in their life, often that shows they're a seeker. They're really saying, I need answers. They might not know what the answer is, but they're saying, I'm open to answers. When you see these things, often you are seeing God at work in another person's life. And you go, hmm, they just might be a seeker. Um, these are people that we focus on then. We, and what does that mean to focus on them? We simply take time to talk to them. We stop where we were going and we say the mission is more important than that activity. And just maybe God wants me to stop here and take some time just to talk to a person, to tell them, if it's, if it's appropriate, your spiritual story, to invite them to church so they can experience the presence of God among the people of God, to answer questions that they may have. Here's, here's the way I want to describe what you're doing. What we are doing is we are looking for ripe fruit. And the reason I'm re- I said this a couple of years ago in a message, and someone just told me recently, matter of fact, two different people said, when you said that in that message, I finally got it. So I want to repeat that. And for some of you have never heard me ever say this before. What you're doing when you're looking for seekers is what you're doing is you're looking for ripe fruit. Looking to see who is really ready to move towards Jesus. You're asking yourself this question. Who in the crowd of my life is open to what God is doing? Because the crowd of your life isn't the harvest. There's a person or a few people in the crowd of your life who are open to what God is doing, they are the focus of your harvesting, of your of your trying to bring them to Jesus. And here's what's happened in the church world for far too long. Too often we have tried to harvest unripe fruit. We try with all of our schemes and all of our tactics and all of our slick ways of presenting the gospel, we try to pick apples before they turn red. Now I'm not talking about Granny Smith's here that stay green. I'm talking about red delicious. That's what they're supposed to look like. When we try to pick an apple, a red delicious, while it's still green, and it just doesn't work. And this is how I've seen it happen. We try to force our family, or force our friends, to come to Jesus before they are ready. And what happens is it simply turns them off. It doesn't just turn them off, it gives them a hard heart towards it. And it becomes all the harder then to break down that hard heart in the future. Um, so here's the deal. The message you've been trying to communicate is not wrong. It's just that they're not ready to receive it yet. So what do we do? We just live like Jesus. We know we're on mission, and we be patient, and we be loving, and we let our friends and our family do this. To see the reality of our growing Christ-likeness. Because they're looking at you and saying, this is the real way it works. It's why church is so important. They go, you're becoming more like Jesus. And the way I know you're becoming more like Jesus is not that you wear a long robe and have long hair. It's because you're with a group of people who actually love each other so much that somebody comes into our midst and says, I can't believe any place on the world actually operates like that. You mean you took Saturday morning... For nothing, it wasn't to get something out of it, and you spent hours laughing and working together, changing batteries in lights, and cleaning um, closets in the basement, and laughing and and drinking some coffee and having fun, and painting rooms and all the rest of the things. And they go, and you actually are all diverse, and it's not that you all have a vested interest, we're all here because we all have kids in this thing, and we want this thing to work, so we're all going to serve. Well, that's okay, but the church is even so much better. We're doing it, we don't get anything out of it, other than saying, we want to be together to make the greatest place on the planet for people, to, for us to grow in Christ-likeness and other people to meet Him. Friends, so in your family, what you do is, instead of preaching at them all the time, is you be patient and you be loving, and you let them see you and your friends growing in Christ-likeness, and then as opportunities arrive, because opportunities will arrive, arise, because God wants them to know Him, You simply take the opportunities that the Lord gives you. Remember this. It's God's will to reach your family and friends. And God has incorporated each one of you into His mission. So let's live lives with a continual attention toward His, our mission of reaching seekers. And this is my promise. If we'll do that, He will do it through us. Make sense? Now, let's expand on this a little bit. We know this. God's mission isn't limited just to our family and our friends and our community. There's this whole world that needs Jesus. And since those people there are just as important as these people here, God, in causing us to incorporate into his mission, wants us to do something to reach them also, especially if the thems don't have ready access to the gospel. And the something that we do is we send missionaries. We send people to people. You want to define what missions is? I, just, I thought about this. I thought, what's missions? It's simply sending people to people. We don't send them to a country. We send them to people. To people who don't yet know Jesus. It takes intentionality. So we make um, so, so to make our understanding of Reaching Seekers more complete, what I've done today, I'm stopping early, is I've invited a missionary that we partner with to come and to share about what God is accomplishing through our partnership in Reaching Seekers in Moldova. I brought somebody that we all know pretty well, Troy, um, Darren, from Moldova. A bunch of us were in Moldova working with him. So I want to invite Troy, come on up, and he's gonna he's going to preach the last point of my sermon. This morning, so come on up, Troy. Give me a hug, brother.
1: I was very comfortable just staying there. I uh, when Mark told me we were going to kind of tag team like this, I kind of feel like I should have slapped his hand and got in under <laughs> <laughs> got in got in under the ring uh, the ring there as we're tag teaming. But I was I was enjoying. I've commented to my wife. I. If we were coming off the field, I could, I could be under their ministry. I love, we love the Larsons and we got some history with them and they're just great friends. A couple weeks ago, we were able to, um, have the pastor, Anatole and his wife Tanya, I was able to host them for the first time in the States for like just a couple of days and we got to have dinner together. The church that many of you who came to Moldova worked with, that church, Pastor Anatole and his wife. But anyway, um, I was just very much enjoying. And as you started to share right from the beginning that God's on a mission, um, I've kind of abbreviated because we're tag teaming. I took out the main biblical part of my my message, but it really is uh, on the go with God. Um, that God God is on the go, and we know Matthew 28:19 and 20, and we know the Great Commission. But I just looked up this word "go," and you go back, and Abraham, in Genesis 12:1, God said, "Go to the land I'm going to call you." And he was going to make a great nation, and all nations would be blessed through him. Moses in Exodus 3:10. And the specific, this little word "go" is in all these verses. He tells Moses to go that he's being sent. Um, in, in Judges six fourteen, to Gideon he tells him to go in the strength and in the name of the Lord, and he has a purpose and a mission for him. Isaiah six eight, we all know that uh, passage in verse. God is saying, Who will go for me, and who can I send? And Isaiah says, I will go. Jeremiah one seven. Don't say I'm only a child. You must go to every everyone that I send you and say what I tell you to say, and etc. And then you get in the New Testament and Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Jesus says, go into all the world and make followers, make disciples. And then in Acts, uh, what, what's that final? Word? I think it's 520, where it says, uh, and he said to me, the angel, I believe this uh, to to Paul. No, not to Paul. The angels spoke to the disciples and said, um, what would be to Luke, said, go into the Temple courts or wherever, and share the message of this full, full life to all that I am commanding you. And a couple of verses later, we read that they went into the temple courts and they went throughout the city and from house to house and they obeyed. And I remember just thinking, well, I, I always just kind of sat on Matthew twenty-eight, nineteen, you know, go, but go is all the way back to Abraham and Moses and Gideon and Isaiah and the disciples and the New Testament church. And aren't you glad they went? And we're still 2,000 years, we're here, and you're telling us to go now, and to get on mission with God, and get on the go with God. And, well, our mission took us to Moldova. It doesn't mean we, we're not in mission uh, with my family, with our relationships uh, here in the States, but we are missionaries in Moldova, and I want to thank you, first of all, church. This is our third time itinerating already, and we have been able to, we've had the privilege to be here, and... When I saw Mark, he said, I love my church. I said, I sh- you should give me one of those. I love your church, you know. Change it so it says your. Because if, if, you're, if we're part of your missionary family and you support us, then we love your church, especially, of course. But, but if you come to Moldova with a mission team, you move to the top of the list. And I know you have a heart for Moldova, and I've met a number of you who are there. And come on back. And I'm excited. This is almost, if, if this is a stockholders meeting, I'm excited to bring you a good report of your investment in Moldova. And, and uh, put on your seatbelts. We're going to go pretty quick here. So um, I want to, in case you don't know where Moldova is, take a, take a quick look. How many have ever heard of Moldova? Let me see. see. You know what? See this, Mark? When I first started itinerating, nobody. No hands. And uh, especially this, you guys have been there. But there you can see it, uh, former Soviet a uh, country between Ukraine and Romania, very much like Wisconsin, four-season climate, 70% of the land is farmed, very agricultural, but very poor. Most things refer to it as Europe's poorest country. About $200 a month, very simple life in the villages, and uh, they speak Russian from the Soviet time uh, and, and days, but ethnically tied to Romania, so they speak Romanian as well. And there's just many things, but I'm not going to concentrate on all those details, I want to I give you a quick update. You sent a team in 2012, combined with my my church I was last in staff with before we went to missions, uh, Waukesha First Assembly. And anyway, just this is the church, Lumina Lumi. And some of you, I'm sure you kind of had a, you had a report uh, a few years ago. But this is the church we worked at. There's the team. And that's the biggest physical building. There's a story about that, but it's the biggest physical building. And they're going to just keep showing some pictures while I talk. Um, but the, the top floor of that, your church came and helped us finish off a dormitory uh, for young orphan gals. And you, you'll see some pictures at the end. That's one of my favorite pictures right there. You'll see some pictures at the end. And, and Mark will remember the first couple girls... We were coming that week we were there. And they were shy, they were nervous, you could just tell. Um, they come out of these orphanages at age 16, they're given like $100, and like they're just thrown to the wolves in many ways. Very, very um, susceptible to a lot of harm and, 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 and situations. And the church here had a, had a burden and a vision to provide and do what we can and start like a Christian dorm. But you can imagine, it's, it's, it's hard for these girls to come right out of the orphanage and just come into this discipline program and begin to be part of the church. They're not used to this. They don't know God at all. And it, it, I'll tell you what, two of those four didn't stay, but the two that stayed, that you know, Alina and Augustina, are right there. Alina's on the right. Augustina's there next to her. Those two are still in the program and they're getting ready, really, that they've finished school and they'll be, they've become leaders among their peers now. Those were like the first two. They've been baptized. They've came, come to faith. They've come to incredible wholeness and in their lives. And you'll see this last picture here. This is the group now. There's, uh, I think, uh, 17 or 18. And it's a beautiful thing. I, I can't go into it all, but I was telling, uh, I think it was uh, Evan, I was saying, it's so good to come back and share about this and not give a report after you guys came that, yeah, we tried that, it really didn't work, so it's kind of being used for storage now, or it just uh, some rooms we use for hosting mission teams. No, this is a ministry that's amazing. We started with just a couple orphan girls, and we kind of were a little heavy-sided with some some gals from the church who needed a place, and they stayed there, so it wasn't so... The ratio wasn't so heavy on the one, on the one side without us knowing what the impact would be. Well, as this thing has gotten, gotten, uh, has got some traction, now these are all orphan girls practically. And, and there's a, there's a mode and an operation and a discipleship process that's happening and a couple of great gals that help lead this. And so, church, I just want to give you a report on that. It's going forward. You had such a big hand in this. Physically, uh, financially, praying, you've invested. This, Some of you who have worked with these kind of, this kind of ministry, a lot of these girls would be very susceptible to human trafficking, but their lives were saved, really. And you know there's a lot of social change, family change, relational change, mental, emotional, and it just takes time. But this now, every year, there's new girls coming in. And so it's a beautiful thing. Um, and I don't want to take all the credit for this. Uh, Raluca and Anka, the two gals who really uh, run this, do the most. Anyway, take a look at this pile of concrete here. That, to me, is a picture of the communist ideology and the Soviet mentality that came crashing down. But all, actually left Moldova in ruins as well. And I could talk to you about agriculturally how they misuse the land, economically and financially, uh, mentally and emotionally. You can just go on. You could talk about these things but I like that picture, too, because it came crashing down, probably 100 years or, or, or less. But 2,000 years later, Jesus is still building his church. And we're still loving his church, and we're a part of his church, and we want more to be part of his church. And God is still on the go, and, and he wants us to be on the go with him. And uh, here you go. Take a look. Here's a couple reports of some things you have been a part of. This is in Bubuyet first of all. You can just uh, kind of go through these. This is the church, five-year-old church, first one. It was a home church. We were with them in, in the little home church, squeezed in uh, like 14 by 16 room for a number of years. And we got that property, and we began to build it little by little. That was day one, opening day at Miller Park. No, that was the first day of service, March 28, 2010. As soon as we got the windows and doors on, They got out of the house. We got our own church space. We started to have church. And over, during this past term, little by little, they increased. That's from December, just a couple months ago. And the church has needed a second floor now. And look at this last picture, a team from Appleton. My last team I hosted the first week of October. A few months ago in the fall, we finished the second floor. That looks rough to you, but to me, that is such a, a miracle and a beautiful thing, and this church is doing so great, and you are partners in that work. The next one is Strushen. Look at this. Uh, on the left there, we had uh, you'll see in this next picture, so, so we had a couple of pastors, Port Edwards, uh, Randy Mantech from Portage, and we just did this little addition, but look what they got. They got this whole second floor. Then we remodeled the, the sanctuary. They went to two services, and on this last picture... Right there, the guy in the red. Now watch this. They became a mother church. And this was my most recent project we've really worked on for less than two years. Look at this next picture. That's Petru in the red. There's their home church in Penashe, 10 miles away. And they've been meeting in the home. They come to Strahshen Sunday morning. But they meet in the home Sunday night and midweek. And they've been praying for a church. God gave us this piece of property. Look at this. There's a church. You see it by faith? This is going to be the fastest faith has ever worked for you because here's a Fox Valley Christian Fellowship from Appleton, Wisconsin. Made a commitment to come in 2014. And it was in June. This is less than two years. Watch what happens. They helped get the foundation done. They came a second year this past August, 2015. And look what's going on with this property. And before they left, we had the driveway done there. We had the steps. That's the church, just from a picture from November. Before I left, it was so exciting. Get the windows on, get the doors on. They are meeting there full time now, Sunday mornings, 10 o'clock, midweek. It's less than two years. That is an absolute miracle. And praise God. Can't say enough about that. Last thing, take a look at this. Now, Mark and I are about the same age. I don't know how I got all the gray hair. But um, I, I just look at it, how did that work? You know, he's actually older than me. No, he's not. I'm a couple years old. Don't laugh. I'm just a couple years older. God has opened up up in belts where we did the student ministry in in the dorm, that church, Anatole. We have worked together because um, to reach their schools and get in their dorms around their church is about, are about 10 schools and all these dorms and young men, young women like Josh and Sam. Now they're a young married couple, but when he was 18, you know, or some of you, when you are that young, or your kids, after grade 12, some of our young people will go off to school and they'll begin to live in the dorm. In Moldova, it happens after grade 9, when they start grade 10, 15, 16. Can you imagine that? I have three kids. I can't imagine them grade grade 10 living in these co-ed dorms, minimal supervision, and there's a lot of problems. And we get to go right into the heart of this. Anatole says this is the center of where... The enemy's activity really is. And we're going into the heart of this, and we are basically having church in their living room. And God has opened up some tremendous doors. And one, one little illustration I'll give you. This is uh, There's one church, or uh, one dorm and school we, we were able to go into every, every week. Every week, every other week. And we were on campus sometimes three, four times a week. We had an MA teaching aerobics there. We were doing an English class. We were doing an off-campus girls group. Heidi was, my wife. And every Tuesday we were in the dorm though, in their biggest room, and they'd come out of the doors. We'd start cranking up the music. And we got to the point where it was just, it would be just like coming to church or youth group. And I, I would get up and I would do a monthly series. Every month had its own series. So I got up, I got up one month and I said, alright, this is our next series and these would be the posters we make, and we'd, we even had, had, the, had the opportunity to hang them up, say, can anybody guess what do you think our next series is about? And they know we're with the church, and we're, gonna, we're always talking about Jesus, and we try and have a lot of fun too. But I go, anybody got an idea? What do you think our next series is about? And I have an idea that most of you, if Pastor Mark was, had this up, our next series coming up in April is going to be 316. Not a single student knew. About 50 kids sitting there. And I've been in Moldova, you know, a term, and that's where it just hit me. They do not even know the simplest verse of Scripture that tells of God's love and that he sent Jesus for them. Now, they got this Orthodox umbrella on that side of the world, which is good, but it was just so sad to me that they do not even understand the most basic verse of Scripture. So you can see some of these verses. We've hosted a number of university teams, master's commission teams, And when they come, we are in the dorms, we're in English classes, we're playing sports, we have opportunities in the auditoriums, and we have great liberty in a number of schools. And uh, you can see that was just from October, a couple hundred young people. And we can use that auditorium anytime we want, basically. And we do. (laughs) Um, The last one, go Wisconsin, here we go. So... Bring a construction team again. Bring a team like that. We will have, let's build a church. Let's, let's do another project. Bring, Josh, you and Sam, head this up. Come on over, 20s, 30s group. We will hit these schools. You will have so much fun. 80, 90% of the time, you will be with, with, with the Moldovans, with, and they need to hear Jesus. You will not be sitting in the churches and just having nice services. You will be busy, busy, busy. Church, thank you so much. God bless you. Thank you, Pastor Mark. Give me a hug.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Reaching seekers extends beyond our four walls. The reason I wanted, and you figured it out, it won't take a whole lot of time, the reason I wanted Troy to be here today for this was to try to help it really cement in the, the scope of God's heart. That, that, you know, we're talking about Our heart. And God, you know, this is, we're people who care. The reason we're people who care is because we are the children of a God who cares. He cares about your kids, but He cares about everybody else's kids too. And so we're going to walk through our world on mission with God. I hope you walk out of here today, and what you take away is you say, God is on mission to seek and to save that which is lost. He's incorporated in me. I know it's a business term, but some, a lot of you will get that. He incorporated us into his mission. So we walk through lives with eyes open, ears open, to seek and to save that which is lost. And that when we then get exposed to not only our families, but the world that's lost, we say, God, how are you incorporating us into that mission? And then we, we do something. And so um, I don't know when, because we got the next step done. But as I'm listening, I'm like, you know what? I would love to go back to Moldova. I really love it. I got a bunch. Of, we had a bunch of people that would love to go back to Moldova that loved it. And uh, Brett's not here. He's sleeping after his third shift job. But Brett would say, and the food is awesome. Um, although it is simple, right? It is the most simple food I think because it's just, they're, they're poor people. It's poor, but some of those buildings you saw, I think some of those, one of those is where we ate in a basement one time, and uh, and, I, and a couple of those got sick from eating in the basement, but it's because stuff, some stuff we probably ate we shouldn't, but these people served they were so appreciative they're saying they were saying to us we can't believe this is what I heard I thought we can't believe you care about us but why do we care about them it's our heart but people who care because it's, God wants to give us a heart transplant you were born and, and Colossians talks about this you were you were in the kingdom of darkness and he's translated you. If you know Jesus, he's transferred you into the kingdom of God's glorious Son. And another way of looking at that is he takes your dead, your dead heart and he brings it to life. That's what your heart's supposed to look like inside. This, all of this stuff that we're saying its exploding with the, with the heart of God. And so, I hope we walk out of here today just with this idea, Palm Sunday. God, let's walk through the world and say, where can I join the mission? So we're going to receive an offering for missions, for Troy's ministry there. Everything goes to the work that they do in Moldova. And so we're, we know the routine. We do this all the time. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you, God, for the fact that you give us a brand new heart. Lord, thank you that you, you crush Our human, unregenerate hearts of selfishness and greed and fear. Fear and scarcity. And you give us brand new hearts of love and trust and joy and and concern for others. And that, Father, um, out of these brand new hearts can flow lives of love. Touching people everywhere. Touching them for the for Jesus. So I pray now, God, that every, every dollar we give would go to reaching souls. We send people to people. People who don't get girls in a dormitory that will be rescued from horror because Christian people come in. God, so thank you that we have the joy of partnering with you in your mission in doing this. Thank you, God.